Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thank you for dropping into another episode. This is episode 124. Uh, It's been a few weeks since I've brought a new episode or any new content to the podcast. We've kind of gone back and, and republished some of the most downloaded episodes uh, some of you know personally my favorite guests that I've had the opportunity to interview on the show. So that's been a lot of fun. But there's there's been you know some stuff going on that has prevented me from um, you know recording podcasts as regularly as I like to. I'll have an episode coming out in the next week or two that expands a little bit on why that is, and you know hopefully that will. Um, be helpful to some people because, you know, it's definitely been a, a learning experience for us in our businesses. So, you know, want to share some of that experience and, um, you know, hopefully others can, you know, benefit from some of what, you know, we're learning uh, as we build our franchise businesses. But in terms of today's episode, my guest is Houston Barnes. Houston is a franchise attorney with Barnes Law and At this point in his career, Houston specializes in working with franchise buyers to review franchise agreements and advise them uh, on a number of things, which is really, you know, a lot of what we discuss in this episode. Houston shares, you know, some of the, the common, you know, things that people should be looking for in a franchise agreement, talks a little bit about some of the things that you know, maybe at first glance seem a little bit spooky or like red flags in a franchise agreement. But, you know, when you really understand how franchising works and the relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee, a lot of these things, you know, really should not be as intimidating as they may sound. But, you know, Houston is an excellent resource. He's worked as a franchise attorney for many years now has experience on the franchisor side, which he's now able to leverage with his franchise buyer clients. So, you know, this is obviously a critical part of getting into franchise ownership, right? There is a legal agreement that uh, is executed between the franchisor and the franchisee. And anytime someone's signing a legal agreement, you know, it's usually a good idea to have uh, uh, an attorney review that agreement you know, really make sure you understand exactly what it is you're signing, what you're agreeing to. Um, you know, but Houston also talks about some areas that, you know, he's often able to, you know, work with his client and the franchisor and, you know, help them agree on some terms that are, you know, maybe agree more agreeable to the the buyer, but that the franchisor is still happy with too. So a lot of good information in this episode. So without Further ado, let's drop in with Houston Barnes. Hey, 
Thanks so much for having me, Wes. Hopefully uh, we got some people out there who are looking at getting into the wonderful world of franchising and changing their lives here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, you know, from what I'm seeing, a, a increase in interest, um, you know, with, with, I guess, just everything going on in, in the world, in the economy. So I think there are a lot of people out there that, you know, are, are starting to think that franchising could be a really good avenue for them. And, you know, your emphasis is very important because obviously, you know, when you enter into a franchise agreement, that's a, a binding legal agreement agreement between a franchisor and a franchisee. So give give us kind of an overview. You know, what do you do specifically as a franchise attorney? Yeah. So as you look into getting into franchising, what you're looking at getting into is usually at least a five or 10 year commitment, but hopefully a commitment that's going to be 20, 30, the rest of your life years. And everything in franchising is governed by the franchise agreement. And there is a contract that you're going to enter into with that franchisor that's going to dictate what hours you can be open, what clothes you can wear, what items you can sell. It's it's going to be a, a very thorough document that's going to guide you through this journey. And that's where I live. So everything in franchising is guided by this franchise agreement. That franchise agreement is summarized in what's called a franchise disclosure document. And the Federal Trade Commission, they're the ones who oversee this. And Every time you look at a franchise, as you go down the path, they are required to show you a franchise disclosure document. Mm -hmm. And they are required to give you all the information from financials to whether they have past litigation to any information that you can imagine about this franchising and franchising in general. And when you get that document, if those of you who've seen one know what I'm talking about, other folks... Uh, when you get your first franchise disclosure document, you're looking at anywhere from two to 400 pages of yeah. just pure legalese. <laughs> and so and, and so that's where I come in. So you, you bring me in for, for two reasons. One, I'm going to come in. I review hundreds of these a year. I stay up with industry standards. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to, A, help you understand what that thing says. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to boil that 400 pages down and into 10 pages. And I'm going to have a conversation with you and answer any questions you have. And, and, and also, there's a common misconception in franchising that there's no negotiation. Uh, yeah. What you'll hear from a lot of people, from a lot of franchisors, is they'll say that they're going to give you a contract and take it or leave it. And that's just simply not true. Yeah. Um, again, I do hundreds of deals a year. I would say, and I, I don't have this as a fact, but I would guess sixty percent of my clients, we end up negotiating some of those, some of those points. And so it's real important as you go through this process to have somebody who can a help you understand what's going on, but b help you get the best deal possible because even little tweaks now can make a big difference as they accumulate over time in your franchising journey. Yeah, it's so true. And I think the other huge advantage to having someone like yourself, you know, review the franchise agreement versus, you know, you know, I work with people all the time that are looking at buying into a franchise and, 
I mean, I've seen it all, right? Well, you know, my brother-in-law's a divorce attorney or, um, you know, just because someone's an attorney doesn't necessarily mean they're the best person to review your franchise agreement for you. You know, the fact that you see hundreds and hundreds of these different franchise agreements every single year, you're able to really, you know, look at an individual franchise agreement and say, yeah, you know what, this is pretty par for the course in terms of how franchise agreements or, oh, you know what, I don't I don't usually see this particular clause in, in most franchise agreements. So this is something maybe we want to look a little closer at. I think giving someone, you know, that's never been down that road of buying a franchise before, giving them some perspective in terms of, you know, this is how a franchise agreement typically reads. So this is not out of the norm or, you know, this is a little bit different. That's invaluable. Yeah. I mean, I always tell my clients, you don't want to go to your podiatrist for a heart issue. That's right. Yeah. Right. This is <laughs> yeah. and 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 franchise contracts, they are not like any other corporate contract you're gonna have out there. Yeah. It's it is a whole different world. And so no matter what you do, you want to see a specialist who specializes in franchise law. Just like if you had cancer, you go to an oncologist. And if you had a heart issue, you'd go to a cardiologist. When you get into franchising, go see a franchise attorney. Yeah. So you at this point just work with people on the buying side of of franchising. Is that correct? So when you look at the world of franchising, you obviously have two sides, right? You have the franchisor side, which is the corporations, the big companies that are actually selling the franchise. And you have the franchisee side. And the franchisees those are the people, those are the entrepreneurs, those are the people listening, I assume, to, to this podcast who yeah. are looking to get into business for themselves, get out of the rat race. And I have in the past worked with franchisors. Um, at this point, I am franchisee only. I, I work with the individuals. I work with the families. Uh, it's it's much more dynamic. It's much more engaging. It's much more exciting. Um, and so that's, that's really, I come from an entrepreneurial background. And so working with the franchisees is really where my passion is right now and exclusively where my practice is now. Right now, I only do franchisee representation, which comes to another point as you do enter into this journey and look at working with professionals, uh, especially in the legal space, it's very helpful to look for somebody who focuses on the franchisee. Um, the goals and the strategies for fairly representing a franchisor can be very different than the goals and strategies from representing a franchisee. And there also could be and are oftentimes many conflicts of interest. Yeah, I've seen it. I mean, I've I've worked with other franchise attorneys in the past that, you know, do work on both sides of the table. And, you know, every now and then, you know, I've heard back from them, you know, hey, I can't, uh, you know, talk to this person about this franchise agreement because I actually represent the franchisor. Therefore, there's a, a conflict of interest. But I think your point in terms of just, you know, someone like yourself that exclusively focuses on the franchisee side, again, it just gives you better perspective, better context um, versus, you know, you're doing a little bit over here on the franchisor side, which 
can be very different, right? Than than working with someone that's you know looking to to buy into a franchise. I'm I'm curious from from all of your experience, you know, what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions or concerns that someone may have, you know, the first time they read through a franchise agreement that in reality are probably not something that that they should be that concerned about when it when it boils down to it. Yeah, I mean there there are a few misconceptions that that people come into it. One I've already touched on. And the first is that what you are entering into is the take it or leave it proposition. Right. Um they they're gonna present you with a franchise agreement and, and you will hear some people say, hey, this is it. You have to enter into the system um exactly as is. Every client I work with is different. They all have different concerns. They all have different sensitivities. And so we want to work to get them in the best place possible. Um, the, the second thing that I think people really need to, to understand and to think about is that when you're getting into a franchise, you're getting into a living, growing system. Mm. You have a contract, and that contract is going to govern the the what lawyers call the material terms mm-hmm. um, of this franchise. But a lot of what you do is going to be guided by the operations manual. And it's going to be guided by you, the franchisee, working with the franchisor. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in life, whether it's with marriage, kids, neighbors, or in business, that communication gets you 95% of the way that 95% of issues we have as humans is just a lack of communication. Yeah. Uh, failure, failure to reach out when there's an issue, failure to just touch base every once in a while. And, and so what I think the biggest advice I give people when they get into franchising is I say, Hey, these other franchisees in your system, they're not your competitors. They're not your enemies. They are your partners in this. Yeah. And if you think you're struggling with something and it's just you struggling in this franchise with that item, you know, whether that franchise has five other franchisees or whether it has 5,000, I bet you if you get on the phone and you call some other folks, they're struggling with that same issue. Or no if they're not struggling, I. Uh, they have struggled and they figured it out in in the past. So there are a lot of franchises that have annual conventions, which I think is great because then you're forced to sit in a room with everyone else. And during your coffee break, you can say, oh, man, can you believe the system crashed last week? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Yeah. But out, outside of that, so many people call me and they say, hey, I'm struggling with this with my franchise. And I say, hey, what other franchisees have you talked with? Yeah. And they say none. And I say, well, get on the phone, talk to them. Also, this is not a, a dictatorship where the franchisor just lords over the franchisee. You also can and should pick up the phone and call the franchisor and say, hey, franchisor, today I'm really struggling with this. Um, what can what can we do to get ourselves in a in a better position? And and that's the whole point of a franchise system is that yeah, you're running your own business, but you're not on your own. Yeah, you're never alone in franchising because you have that franchisor 
to their whole purpose in life is to be there to support you. Yeah, it's so true. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a partnership is is what it boils down to between the the franchisee and the franchisor. And, and it's a mutually beneficial relationship. You know, when it's done the right way, the better the franchisees do, the the better the franchisor does. So they're very incentivized. And I think, you know, your points are are spot on. And this is something that you know, I try to remind candidates of when I'm coaching them through this process is like, look, yes, there is this legal agreement. Yes, you need to be, you know, fully aware of everything that you are agreeing to and will be obligated to under this agreement. But, you know, a big part of the research is, you know, really getting to know the franchise or understanding the culture, you know, that that, that particular brand has. Obviously, you're getting to speak with other franchise owners as you're going through the due diligence. You know, if you get into a brand where it it really does feel like it's a good culture fit, and if you feel like, you know, if you have the chance to meet the founders or the leadership team before, uh, you know, making a decision, if you feel like, you know, they would be the types of people that you want to partner with, um, that. I think in a lot of cases goes a long way to, you know, mitigate some of the concerns that, that people may have, because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I always think about a franchise agreement is so much of what's in there is, you know, really just defining ahead of time, what happens if kind of a worst case scenario were to materialize. And so I tell people, I'm like, look, if you have every intention of, you know, following the system, working hard, being a good franchisee, chances are so much of what's in this agreement never even comes into play because, you know, it's going to be a a good relationship between you and the franchisor and they're there to support you. And, you know, look, I've worked on the franchisor side. I've worked for two different (laughs) brands and I never saw an instance, you know, outside of one or two where the franchisee was clearly out of compliance um, where the franchisor threw the book at them, right? Instead, it sure. was, hey, let's talk about this. Let's see what we can do. Um, you're not hitting your marketing minimums. Let's let's get you, you know, on the phone with the marketing team, see what we can figure out. You know, it's that's always, I shouldn't say always, but in, in most cases, that's gonna be the first course of action with any good franchisor before they, they sit down and say, well, you know, see this section of your franchise agreement and uh, you know, here's what we're going to have to do. So, so there's, there's one word that you said in there that I want to focus on and that's personality. Mm -hmm. We have, we have two personalities in every franchise relationship. We have the personality of the franchisee and we have the personality of the franchisor and every different franchisor has a, different personality. And so I get the question a lot. They say, Hey, what, what franchise would you open? Or they say, what should, should I get into this franchise? And that's an impossible question to answer. I mean, there, there are some clients who come to me who they're passionate about chicken fingers and they want to open up a fast casual chicken finger restaurant, right? There, there are some people who just really want to do the dirty job and really want to install temporary wall systems and do something that's very unsexy, but has great returns. And so choosing a franchise is so much about your personality 
and what's going to get you up every morning and and working. And for some people, it it can be different sectors of the industry. For some people, it might be purely monetary. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely fine. They yeah. they might say, you know what? I don't care if I'm digging ditches or if I'm selling jewelry. I just want to make money. And and that's okay. Now, the other side is you have personalities, the franchisors. There are some systems that you can get into that are more partnerships that are give you the freedom that say, hey, you market however you want. You can send out mailers if you want, do commercials. We're just here to kind of support the tent poles. Uh, there's those franchises all the way to the side of you absolutely have no freedom. Yeah. Where they say, you come in and we're going to dictate what time you wake up in the morning. We're going to dictate everything you sell. You are not allowed to even log on to Facebook without, without our, our permission. And to some people... Having that structure and just following the system to a T, that's very liberating. Yeah. To uh, to other people like myself, I I joke that I'm virtually unemployable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if 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 you put me in a in a large Fortune 500 company, I'm I'm pretty sure that I would be fired by lunchtime if I didn't quit on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And 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 so it it, it really is just a matter. Of, of personality. So it's important to look at what is the personality that of you, what what lifestyle do you want? Absentee owner, day-to-day, hands-on, in a car all the time. And to look at the personality of the franchisor, what kind of system, big, small, hands-on, hands-off, are you looking into with those respects as well? Yeah, it's a it's a conversation I have with with every candidate, right? Because there's like you said, these different personality of franchisors, and a lot of times, not always, there's there's exceptions to this, but a lot of time, the the more mature and established a franchise system is, the more structured it's going to be, right? Versus you know an emerging brand that's really just getting started. That's that's where those early franchisees are are likely to have a lot of autonomy, right? And and the franchisors really looking for the types of franchisees to come on board early on that are going to follow the system that's there, but also continue to innovate and you know help uh, you know cultivate the the system going forward. And so that's something that's important for for people to really understand because to your point, there there are certainly people that are going to thrive in a much more structured, you know, system, they're probably also going to look at that as, you know, maybe a little bit less risky because there's more of a track record with a more established brand. There's more data, you know, that they're able to to review um, versus something that's emerging. You know, in some cases, there's very little data in terms of other franchisee performance. So, uh, there's not one right or wrong approach. It really does come down to the individual and what they're looking to get out of business ownership and what's going to be the best fit for them. Um... If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. 
Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out, and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected, and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. That's a, a really good point. So you mentioned, and this this might be a question that that kind of puts you on the spot. And if it is, we can we can back off. But you know, you mentioned that a big misconception is that the the franchise agreements are non-negotiable. And, you know, I've sold franchises for for multiple brands and I would kind of agree with with what you said. I mean, many of the deals that we did had some change or tweak to the agreement, whether that's territory or you know, changing language in a certain way that that the the franchisee was more comfortable with it. What what are some of the? But there are things that most franchisors are not going to move on, right? So what are what are some of the things that you know realistically someone should not expect the the franchisee or I'm sorry the franchisor to be willing to to negotiate on? Let's see if I can answer that question in in two different ways. Uh. The first kind of more satisfactory answer is going to be that the major deal point that a franchisor really wants to stick across the whole system are typically not going to be negotiated. Those are the things like the ongoing royalties. Any Anywhere from 5 to 10% ongoing royalty, that's typical in a franchise system. Um, Never say never, but typically from accounting purposes, from fairness purposes, they're going to want to keep whatever their royalty is amount, whatever their royalty amount is, they're going to want to keep it uniform across the entire system. Yep. Things like upfront fees. So those type of things, kind of big picture items that really are the backbone of what their business is. Those typically stay the same. Yeah. Now, what is negotiable? Here's the very unsatisfactory answer: is it varies from client to client, and and, and that's the truth. There, there, there is not one thing. There is not ten things that I say everyone 
has to do. And a good example, a few weeks ago, I had a client who was looking into an oil change business. Mm-hmm. And and we get on the phone and he says to me, he says, Houston, by the way, my my brother is a Pepsi distributor. And I want the ability to have a Pepsi machine in my oil change business and give everybody free Pepsis when they come in. Well, I, never in a million years would I have thought to write that into a contract. And right. I'll be surprised <laughs> if in the in the rest of my career, I had somebody who tells me they want the ability to give away free Pepsis. Yeah. <laughs> but we we wrote into his contract that he can give his customers free Pepsis. And so was the franchisor good with that? And 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 the franchisor said, sure, if if that's what you want to do, that that's what you can do that. Um, but I mean, that's an extreme example. But yeah, every every person who comes who comes to me, they all have different sensitivities. Yeah. They've all been in a bad business or personal relationship in the past, and they want to make sure that X Y Z doesn't happen again, or they have some other business interest. They're getting into a pet grooming business, but their husband or wife is the dog walker and they want to make sure that there's absolutely no way that the business can infringe on their spouse's dog walking business. So it's stuff that there are some things that are routine that I see a lot, but you'd be surprised how many times a client says something to me and I'm just like, Great. I'm so glad you told me that because I could have sat here for 10 years and never have, have asked you the right question yeah. to to figure out what to put in there. So 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 that kind of gets to the bottom of what we're trying to do here is I want you to have the best business relationship. I want this to be the best legal contract that the client can have. But more importantly, I want this to work for everyone involved and what's involved here are humans and individuals and we all have our different things and so let's figure out what those different things are and make sure you're in a good place yeah well said from a from a strategy standpoint right so you're working with a client to review a franchise agreement you know you're kind of with them identifying what are some of the key points that are concerning for them or that they would like to you know, request changes to, do, do you advise from a, from a strategy standpoint around, you know, Hey, let's, let's really prioritize like what's most important. Right. Cause if we go back with a laundry list of like 50 ask, you know, number one, you're probably not going to get all of that, but number two, and, and, you know, depending on the back and forth between the, the franchisee and the franchisor, the negotiation could potentially start to sour the relationship a little bit before it even really starts. So do do you have any advice or, you know, that you give to your clients to, you know, kind of walk that line of, yeah, getting a deal that they're comfortable with, but doing it in a way that is not going to essentially piss off the franchise or, uh, you know, for this, this new incoming franchisee. So going back to the beginning of our conversation, I think that's where the value comes in of somebody who does a high volume of deals. Yeah, um, I have I have seen deals fall apart. I've seen deals come together, and I get to the point. I, I, I'm I'm at a point now in my career where I know what to ask for and where I know not what not to ask for. 
and 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 what's a reasonable ask and what's not. Um, that being said, you know I'm working on behest of my client and what my client wants to do. I I, I have to act in their best interest and give them advice, but also if they say, hey, I want to request that. I'd be able to wear a purple hat on Monday, then if that's what they want to request, then I'll, I'll make that request. But I, I have had that conversation and and it does happen where I say, you know what, client, these are all good points you make and, and I understand them, but I think this is more of a conversation that we need to have with the franchisor because I think if we come back asking for all these changes that the franchisor is likely to either be kind of turned off by it or second there comes a a, a strategy and negotiation where do you ask for one or two things and you stick to your guns that's definitely what you want do you ask for five things knowing that you're only get three of them but you're giving them two things to throw away or do you ask for 20 things knowing that you're going to give some, take some away. The problem with 20 things, though, is that you might get them to say, heck, this is this is way too much. No, yeah. we're not going to entertain any of this. Um, yeah. And I I can think of two instances in, in my career, and I've done hundreds of deals, and I think I can think of two in- instances in my career where I have sent an addendum back to the franchisor. You know, there's been not based on 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 my advice the client has said this is what i need to move forward i've said okay and and we've sent those uh, addendums in and i've gotten a call from the franchisor shortly thereafter and and they've said houston just so you know we're not going to move forward with your client anymore yeah and 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 i'll say i can i completely understand and i'll say yeah if if this is how they're acting on day one and these are their demands on day one and they're clearly not listening to you i have a i have a reputation in the industry of of somebody who shoots straight with all parties involved and so they they know if these people are asking for these crazy items that they're not listening to me either and they'll come back and they'll say hey they're not listening to you they clearly don't understand so we're just not going to move forward with them and it's those are tough conversations to have with the clients. But again, all I can do is go based on my experience in my past and tell them what will work, what won't work, what I think the best strategy is and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a balancing act, right? Because, you know, you, you could run the risk of, you know, coming across to the franchise or, and I think a lot of it too depends on what's happened you know, leading up to that point between the the candidate and, you know, the franchise or how have they conducted themselves through the other aspects of the due diligence. But yeah, if the franchise or starts to get a sense that, you know, as a franchisee, you're going to be, you know, combative or, uh, you know, really, really just high maintenance that they can get to a point where they're like, you know what, this, this is not worth it, you know, and, and the best well, franchise. There's a- well, there, and, and, and let me say this: there's a flip side to that as well. It's not uncommon for me to get a call from somebody and and us to go through the review, and I'll point something and I'll say, "Hey, you know what? This isn't common. I think based on what you're telling me, we really should ask them to change this clause." 
whatever it be. And that person says, well, no, I don't want to make the franchisor mad. I, I don't want to come across as difficult early on. And sometimes I have to have that conversation and say, hey, we're not being difficult. This is something that makes a lot of sense to change. They understand this. Yeah. They're in business. Let's just let's go back to them. Let's be real reasonable. Let's ask for this change. I bet you they're going to give it to you. And it, it, it's it's not going to damage your your long term relationship. So it, it really is a a balancing game because I do get those people who come to me and they're just afraid to ask for changes. And you know, it's there was a. I don't know if a TED talk or or a YouTube video of this guy who does a hundred days of asking for asking for random things or or asking for things he's scared to ask for. And I'm not doing a very good, good, good job summarizing, but, but this guy spends a hundred days and every day he films himself going into a business and asking for something that he, he thinks is just, out of line is, yeah. is out of control is just a ridiculous ass and after that 100 days he realizes that a it's amazing what you get and you just simply ask the question what you get and that there's no shame in asking that that yeah you might get turned down 30 percent of the time but those people don't hate you they don't throw a pie in your face is that you ask a question they say no we can't do it and you say okay thanks and you walk out but you know what? 60% of the time you make that ask, that sounds totally ridiculous to you, but they'll say, yeah, okay. We can do let's, that. Let's, yeah. And, 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 and that's something I try to teach my kids and, and how I go through life is a lot of times just make the ask and don't, don't be a jerk about it. Don't be difficult about it. But if there's something you want and it's reasonable, ask. They say no. Okay, that's 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 not the worst thing in the world. So, um, yeah, you know, one one client said this to me a few months ago, and I use it a lot. You can't fall up a tree. And <laughs> so um, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So 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 clients say, can we ask for this? Say, you can't fall up a tree. We yeah. can ask. They yeah. they might say no, and if if they say no, then you're in the same spot you you are now that particular request is not going to be something that is a deal killer. Yeah. I think it's, it, that's such a good point. And I love the, uh, the example of, you know, this guy asking for things for a hundred days. I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about doing something similar where he'll kind of intentionally put himself in these really uncomfortable situations, you know, asking for something, or I think he used to like, go in a store and just lay on the ground and try to lay there for like 60 seconds at least. And if someone asked them, are you okay? Be like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, but just cause it's awkward as hell. Right. But it's kind of, you know, training those, those muscles to, uh, you know, step out of your comfort zone or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, look, like here's a quick example. You're, you're doing some work for my wife and I on, uh, an addendum for, for a franchise agreement that we're, coming up to to renew for one of the brands we own and like the the main sticking point we had if we didn't push back on that we would be terrible business people <laughs> right like yeah. you know this is something that would you know easily clearly take money off of our bottom line 
um, and, and a you know fairly significant amount of money. Like if we didn't catch that, or if we just said, oh, we don't want to, uh, you know, push back on this because we don't want to damage the relationship with the franchise, or like that would be a terrible business decision on our part. And so I think to your point, if if you're asking for things that are reasonable, um, the the franchise or you know. They, they can't get too upset, right? You're just making good business decisions, and that's what they want their their franchisees to do is is make good business decisions and build successful businesses. You know, the, the other advantage to, to hiring a, a franchise attorney or, or any lawyer for that matter is lawyers have a reputation as being jerks, and we are not well-liked in, in society. And so I tell my clients all the time, part of what you're paying for is the good cop, bad cop mm. routine. Yeah. And, and and it's it's not uncommon and it doesn't hurt my feelings when a client says very reasonably to me, hey, I I I, I really want this clause changed. And I say, okay, and I put it in an addendum and send it over to the to the franchisor. And the franchisor pushes back and to save face, they say, Oh. Well, I don't care about that clause. That's my that's my jerk attorney. He's he's just being a jerk, and he told me that that I have to do this. And that's good cop, bad cop, and the franchisor looks at me, and I shrug my shoulders, and I say, "Yeah, I'm I, I'm an attorney. You're wanting to dislike me to begin with, so nothing has changed. So yeah. <laughs> um, don't so don't don't be afraid. Also, that's what you're paying your attorney for is to fight." on on your behalf and to be your advocate as as well so asking an attorney to be a bad cop is not not uncommon and any decent attorney is used to fighting a battle on behalf of someone else even if it's a losing one yeah yeah it's a great great point so um what what else do you think you know before we wrap this up what else do you think is important for you know someone out there that's you know considering uh, investigating franchise opportunities or, you know, is actively looking at it. What is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is, is important that they should be thinking about from, from the legal perspective? Not from the legal perspective. What I'd say is this to people looking at getting into franchising, there is a wealth of resources out there, right? There, there are folks like West who can, help you from the personal standpoint, identify what is a good system to get into, what's gonna be a good fit for you. And then once you get into that, there, there's a whole industry, whether it's financing or legal, of professionals out there who genuinely want to help you. Yep. When it comes, and when it comes to the legal side or any other part of the process, stay within that ecosystem. Because it is the, the, the world of franchising, um, a, a lot of people call it the franchise family. Yeah. We're all in this together. We all want each other to be successful. And for the most part, those of us who do what we do are really good at it. Yep. And so get someone within the franchise family, find people to help you, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, because, uh, again, from the franchisor to the franchisee, from your lawyer to your consultant, whoever it is, a rising sea lifts all boats, whatever that, that yep. saying is. We're, we're all in this together. 
So use all those resources and let's uh, let's let's tackle this thing and become as successful as possible. I love it. It's great advice. A, a mentor of mine always said he's owned, I don't know, seven or eight franchise brands over the years. He was the the CEO of the last franchise brand that I worked for. Never suffer in silence. Right. And and you kind of made That's that great. point I earlier. That. Right. You got all these people out there, whether it's people, you know, at the franchisor level, other franchisees in your brand, and then this whole ecosystem that that you just described, which it's so true. It's it's fascinated me since getting into franchising, just how tight knit of a community it is. Um, so many resources out there. So uh, speaking of resources, Houston, this was uh, very insightful. Where can people connect with you? Learn more about you and and your services. Where where should we point people if they want to get in touch with you? The absolute simplest way is to go to barneslaw.com, B-A-R-N-E-S-L-A-W.com. I recently overhauled the website. It's not a big one. I've kept it really simple, really straightforward. But uh, there are a dozen places on there to contact me. Reach out to me. I, I will personally call you back within 24 hours, unless it's a holiday. Um, but reach out to me, no matter where, where you are in the process. I mean, I'm I'm... I'm here to be your lawyer, but I'm also here to help the franchise ecosystem and to help people at all stages. If you have questions, I'm I'm going to help answer them because, again, your success is all of our success. And so go to barneslaw.com, email me, call me, fill out a, a request for information. Whatever you feel most comfortable with, you'll hear back personally from me and we'll get you We'll get you protected and we'll get you being successful in this world. I love it. I love it. We'll put the website in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. I've seen firsthand how quick your uh, response and turnaround time is. So um, that's amazing. Thanks for everything that you do. Thanks for, you know, taking some time out of your schedule to come on here and share a little bit with us. And um, I'm sure people will want to reach out after hearing you. Well, I appreciate you, Wes, and uh, we will talk soon. All right, my man. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at number 2 frdm.com and if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello feel free to contact me at wes at path the number two frdm.com thanks again now go drop in